You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite current and former Seahawks. Russell play fake, drops back, going to throw it deep. Got a man. It's Metcalf. He's out there. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Turbin in the backfield with Wilson who goes out of the shotgun. Look out. Here comes the blitz. Russell steps up. Now he's got to scramble. Now he dumps it. Turbin. Midfield, 45-40 down the near sideline, 30. 25 puts his head down. What a run. By Turbin, he's all the way down to the Chargers' 21-yard line, a 32-yard pickup. Now, here's your host, Super Bowl 48 champion, Robert Turbin. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Seahawks Stories. We are here with a special guest. You heard the highlight right there against the San Diego Chargers. This guy, a former San Diego Charger there in L.A. now, Brian Walters, a.k.a. B. Wheezy, <laughs> in the house. What's going on, bro? How you I doing? Knew, I knew we wouldn't get through a whole podcast without a B. Wheezy coming out from Turbo. No, it's can't. always you. Always you. We, first of all, you know we can't get through us, uh, any introduction, any any place together without the B. Wheezy, all right, being identified. That is true. I could be anywhere in the world. Now, if I hear someone say, B. Wheezy, I, Turbo, you're here? Tell the people we're B Weezy. Where is it? Where, what's the significance? What is the significance of that? You're the one who came up with it. But that's right. I, I would say everyone calls me B Walt, right? Usually that right. sticks everywhere I go. And then uh, Turbo puts his own little, uh, his own little pizzazz to it, and B Weezy comes out. Where, where did that come from? I it's really don't know. Juice, man, you know what? It's, it, it, I don't know what it is, man. I was thinking like we were on the field one day. And, uh, you know, you're a playmaker, man. And I think some Lil Wayne was playing that practice. <laughs> so, you know, Wayne, Lil Wayne is wheezy. Be wheezy. And it just, it just flowed. Be I wheezy. I like it. I like it. You know? it's, it's your own stamp on me. It, it's good. It's good. That's what's up, man. Well, I've been, I mean, I, I've been calling you that for a number of years now. So whether you like it or not, it's sticking. And when did uh, I meet you? 2012, 2013? 13, exactly. 13. Yep. Exactly. That's the year you signed to Seattle, which yep. we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but first, uh, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. I want to tell you a little bit about the show. Seahawks Story right. is a show predicated upon former and current players sharing their stories, man. The stories that are behind the Boy. scenes that you don't get to read about in the paper. All right. hear about in the media, those untold stories during your days as a Seahawk, man. So I hope, hope the listeners got their popcorn ready because okay. T. Weezy was right there in the hot sauce of it all uh, during, those, during those special years as a Seahawk, which we'll get to. But before we get to that, man, you actually grew up here in Washington, went to high school in Kirkland. Uh, so you're a hometown native, Juanita High School. Juanita High School, correct. You went to, yeah, you were a three-sport athlete, baseball, basketball, which I didn't see you play baseball, but I know you got some 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 hoop game. Man, we used to have some good hoop battles. Yeah, Tara. man. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that as well. And, uh, and football, man. So, you know, talk about um, those days and, and when did you kind of transition to know that football was a sport? you were going to commit to you know growing up I guess when did I put the pads on for the first time when I was seven years old maybe um and you know there was a, a close one of my best friends dad was like a big football coach not a big football coach he was a football coach for uh, you know all his kids and brothers and and all that and I uh I we were the Juanita Steelers or Kirkland Steelers at the time Okay. And so I was a quarterback and we had the, the, we looked like the Steelers. It was great. You know, we had the logo on one side, the stripe, we had the full, full get up, man. We were the Steelers. So I was, I was actually the big Steeler fan growing up somehow. I mean, I was Seahawks were my team, but then I always rooted for the Steelers. And who was that at the time Cordell Stewart, I think was the Steelers quarterback. Okay. Yeah. Right? So I wore, I was a quarterback. I wore number 10. So that's where 10 was always my number in every sport growing up. And, uh, but it all started with that. And, uh, for some reason, football had always been like that. That was it for me. That was the season I looked forward to the most. You know, I played basketball. I played baseball. Um, I think what was significant about football is I couldn't play football year round. 
you know, it was just a fall sport and, 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 you know, you did it in the summer, you know, maybe you worked out and stuff as you got older, um, into junior high and high school, but the other sports you kind of played year round and you almost get burned out by it. Yeah. I think, you know, like, Oh, you got this baseball tournament this, this weekend. Now you're going to play poops down here. And it's just like, you're always on the move and you're not really like, I don't know. There was nothing to, there was not that thing to look forward to about it because it was there all the time. So when football season came around, you're like, let's go. It's football season. Finally, like we get to put this helmet on, we get to strap up, we get to hit some people. And uh, I think that's where I became attached to football. And it was always just, there was always something different about it. Always something different about the game that I liked and playing quarterback growing up was fun. You know, you felt in control, uh, you know, leading everything. And that's what I was. I was in high school as a quarterback receiver for one year, but then quarterback for a couple of years growing up was quarterback. Um, but that, that's where football became, you know, my passion. The other sports were kind of just a, a hobby that, that I, I really enjoyed playing. So. Right. Wow, man. So, yeah, I mean, football, man, if you're playing football year round, you're probably going to end up injured somewhere. That's a very good point. Yeah, you definitely need right. a break. And I'm with you on having something to look look forward to. It's only during, you know, one part of the year, whereas the other sports are year round. Man, yeah. it makes a ton of sense. So you go to Juanita, you're playing quarterback. All right. You decide on football and uh, you end up going to Cornell University. And did you Cornell, play baby, go there, big red. or is that when you moved to receiver? That's when I moved to receiver. I was recruited as an athlete. And uh, I told the coach that I wanted to, I wanted to be a wide out because that's kind of, I don't know, it, being a wide receiver is fun for me. I, you know, just catching everything and, and doing that thing. But uh, at, when it comes to coming across. Yeah. The road. But Cornell was not on my radar coming out of high school. I had no idea where I wanted to go, but you know uh, I wasn't recruited at all by anybody really i wanted to go to washington state um my parents both went to wazoo and so i was a, i grew up a huge coog fan and that's where i wanted to be i wanted to go play football there and yeah i met some coaches there you know went to one of their football camps and was the mvp at a camp but still no recruiting by uh, uh washington state but that's where i met a cornell football coach and he uh he's like hey come check this out you have to go to new york i'm like where Okay. And I went out there on a recruiting trip that winter and it was cold and snowy, but something just hit me about it. I mean, it was like everything I saw or everything I envisioned college life being as far as the campus and the school and, and the football facilities were great and the coaches. And so that's where, I mean, it's amazing how fast things can change, right? You know, you want to be stay, stay kind of local, play some local football to going out East every single every single year for football and for school and uh i'm very thankful for it but it you know was not on the radar at all were you gonna walk on to wazoo first uh no i was so my other two options i had were uh usd which uh, actually harbaugh was coach which is funny with okay. the whole you know seahawks harbaugh stuff but so he was a coach uh it was uh, coach drebno was recruiting me i remember and he was he was coaching with San Francisco in those years that we, we beat him up in the NFC championship and stuff. So that was fun. Uh, and it was air force Academy was the other one I took a visit to okay. Fisher DeBerry was the coach there. And that was my only, uh, really offer at playing division one, a football, you know, in the mountain West there was air force Academy, but the other two were Cornell and, and, uh, USD. And I can't believe you passed up on San Diego. Man, it was tempting. It was tempting. But I had to I had to go to the education, you know. Yeah, I hear you. The USD is a good education too, but that was kind of my my thoughts coming out. Well, speaking of education, I mean Cornell, obviously an Ivy League school where academics is very prominent uh in, in, in those schools. How how was it managing both the academic part and obviously playing football? <laughs> man it was all right this is what they'll say about cornell all right cornell they'll say is the easiest ivy league to get into but the hardest to graduate from you know you go to harvard it's hard to get in but they'll walk you through it you know you'll get a degree from it i guess you know the, and all those other schools but cornell was not like that one i'm pretty sure all the professors hated like football players <laughs> you know we we're traveling to Dartmouth that weekend and coming back and they're throwing assignments on us that Friday. Knowing we got a game Saturday, we're not getting 
it, it was just they did not you know you always hear that how college uh athletes might get like preferential treatment or whatever from school you know they get a delay assignment whatever it is we did not have that and so and it was brutal um not not the not getting preferential treatment or anything but just the the academics was i mean it was serious i mean there was always something going on and you had to budget your time and you know you knew you had about four or five hours of football every day and so it was a constant you know class football homework sleep and uh that's pretty much the the weekly the the day-to-day life as an ivy league uh, athlete and it uh i mean i'm thankful for it now taught a lot of you know work ethic and focus but it was uh it was brutal and yeah professors did not care i mean i remember one of my first tests i ever took it was in the ex- during exam week or midterms or whatever and me and my buddy was our quarterback his name's ben uh we sat down to this exam like stared at this test and it was uh it wasn't one of my first i guess it was like my junior year but we stared at it and it was the class was called applied econometrics i mean i still don't even know what that is i passed the class somehow but uh and we looked down at this test and we looked at each other and we're like what and then we see this late, this, uh, another student in the class, a, a girl just running down the aisle, crying about the test. Like, this is too hard. Like just crying and leaves the room and everyone's like, oh, I mean, that was just kind of the thing that you saw on a regular basis. That was fun. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, you ended up having a great career at Cornell, man. Let's check, let's take a look at some of these numbers, man. 972 punt return yards for your career. 2,790 kick return yards for your career. Both are Ivy League records, man. That's crazy. Uh, you were top five in all-purpose yards, over 5,000 second all-time to be exact, uh, 144 catches, over 2,000 yards, and reception yards, top five all-time, fourth all-time in both of those categories, man. And then you were inducted into the Hall of Fame at Cornell in 2020. What was that feeling like, man? How was that for you? Well, what's funny is the, the Hall of Fame induction. Yes, I was inducted, but we haven't had that yet. We haven't had the actual induction yet because of COVID. It keeps getting canceled. Right. <laughs> so 2020, we had it. It was all set up. And they're like, no, next year we're going to do it. We'll do it during homecoming game next year. All right, cool. So this year comes around. We're a month out. You know, we have our hotels, flights. And they're like, guys, you know, this at the time, it was this Delta variant's taken over. Yeah. We want to do it yeah, right for you guys. Want, we'll delay it again. So, so maybe next year is the year, you know? Right. So, but, uh, I mean, I had, I always tell people, if I, if I were to do it all over again, I would do the same thing I did. I'd go to Cornell and play. You know, we, we weren't very successful. We were not a good football team. I think we got kind of worse every year. I think we were, what were we, six and four, five and five, three and seven, two and eight. Like, those are my four years there but I was very like thankful for all the guys I met there. Um, you know, the, the kick return yardage record is not, not something really to brag about. It means we were getting scored on a lot. <laughs> so, look at it. You know, I mean, back there a lot returning kicks and it's just not really that ideal, but the probably return record. I take a lot of pride in. I think well, you don't hold the record for most kickoff returns. No, I think I did that one too. Really? Yeah, I'm not Ivy League, but I think Cornell maybe. Okay, yeah. Cornell. I don't know. I, I don't. Is that is that even a, a record there? They, I mean, they keep the stat, but you don't hold the record. For yeah, Ivy maybe yeah. you do Cornell though. Yeah, not 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 Ivy League. Cornell, I'm pretty sure I do, but well, we don't need we don't need, we don't need to bring that up. Stat, and there's a lot of kickoff returners that don't get any yardage at all. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's true. But, and I was fortunate. I mean, I did it for all four years, which is nice, you know, being able to return punts and kicks as a freshman. Um, I think that was a big deal for me and, yeah. and, and get in a little bit. Doing it in the pros as well. It was, yep. it was one of your, one of your specialties, man. Speaking of the pros, you have a great career at Cornell and here we are, man. Uh, you know, you're, you're in your fourth year, you know, you have aspirations of playing in the NFL. I'm assuming, um, you know, you go undrafted, but what was that process like? I mean, was that something that you were already kind of expecting because, you're, you know, you're coming from Cornell Ivy League school, um, or did you maybe see yourself going in, in, the, in the late rounds? And, uh, and then how did you end up in San Diego? I had, uh, 
zero expectations going, you know, I, I didn't choose Cornell to go play in the NFL, right? You know, when, when that all started, that wasn't the goal. I knew a big decision was, hey, look, if you're good enough, they're going to they're gonna come find you, right? That's, they got scouts all over the place. They'll find you and they'll give you a chance if you're good enough. Good hope. That's kind of what I went in thinking. So my senior year, actually kind of my junior year, there's always a scout uh, from the San Diego Chargers. And for some reason, uh, he always was coming in watching film on me. I don't know where he found notice of me or anything, but he was always the guy coming in. So, and then senior year, he kind of came in a few times and, and just watching film and talking to coaches about me. And so when it came down to it, you know, Ivy League is only a 10-game season, so we get done pretty early. So we're done be- the week before Thanksgiving. Um, so there's, there's a lot of time to kind of, you know, college is still playing games and there's bowl games on. So there's a lot of time dead for us as, as uh, Ivy League football players. And uh, I remember when the season ended, I went in and sat in the, the office of my strength coach. His name is Tom Howley. And he's, he's one of the, the best coaches I've ever had, like one of the best strength coaches, amazing guy. And I sat down and I was like, well, first off, before I get to that story, I'm going to there was a, a coach, I'm not going to name names, but a, another coach I was close with that I was kind of like, hey, like, what do you think about me, you know, training and, and trying to make it, you know, in the NFL, get picked up on a team and, and make a training camp and, and go from there. And this coach is like, Brian, no, no, don't do it. He, you can name names. I have people just, who doubted me too, man. No, no names there. I can't name names. He's, he's a good buddy. He's a good buddy. Okay. He's like, no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, just that's going to be a waste of your time and. And uh, I just, as a wide out wide receiver coming from the Ivy League, just not going to happen. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I kind of went out of there and, and then went to my strength coach and my strength coach was all about it. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. I got you every day. You got to be here 9 a.m. or 10, whatever it was when his like little break was. And he's like, I, I got you. Um, but the second like you start to fall off and you're not dedicated to this, then we're going to wrap. We're not going to do it. Like we're going to we're going to call it, you know, I'm not going to work with you if you're going to, you know, Hey, I'm not going to make it today. I'm not going to make it. Cause you know, it's not, it's not like I'm on the team anymore, right? I'm a senior. I have no, no uh, commitments to the team. So I'm on my own. And right. you know, that nine o'clock workouts easily like, a, eh, nah, I'm not going to go today. And so, but he said, the second I don't show up, the second I don't do it, he's like, he's done. He's not going to help me through this, but we'd kept with it the whole off season, the whole spring. And then the San Diego Chargers scout, hey man, he goes, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a pro day for Brian. I was like, okay. I was planning on going up to Syracuse uh, and doing their pro day, or coming over, uh, coming back home and doing University of Washington's pro day, kind of okay. jumping in that. But the San Diego scout, he's like, no, I'll come to I'll come to Ithaca and I'll run it for Brian. I was like, all right. So I had my, it was nice. I had my college quarterback thrown to me. Um, you had your own pro day. Just own a, pro day. It's just it's just me. Another another wide receiver from Cornell uh, participated in it, but it wasn't. He was just doing it to to run. Um, and so I had my own pro day and had great numbers. Like ran route, you know, just, it was it was a good day. And um, uh, the uh, Charger scout, his name was Tom Gibbons. He he was like, hey, uh, this was awesome. We'll be in touch. Uh, expect a, expect a call draft day. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted, but you know how the undrafted. No one, right. you know, to get drafted, I think you have to have some uh, some kind of demand for you, right? Some other teams who think that they want you, and and so that's why they draft you, right? You know? So if only one team wants me, then they're like, oh, we don't need to draft you on that. We'll just sign you afterwards. And so, right. um, so yeah, it was draft day, and I was I, I remember sitting at my desk. I was actually doing homework, which was funny, and watching the draft on my TV at my desk. And right when it ended, there was about couple minutes later i get a call from a san diego number area code and and uh that was it i uh was down there next week for rookie mini camp wow wow getting, so getting you involved. end up going to san diego anyway after passing up on going to school there yeah see anybody would do that <laughs> i know that would have been fun huh? that would have been a good spot to be but i got my san diego taste for two years there um, yeah it was, it was good. I, I love San Diego. It's such a cool city. Uh, I lived in La Jolla for a little bit. Well, I, my first year, I was living with a former Cornell teammates family. Um, for, you know, I was there for a little bit and then I moved to La Jolla for my second year. 
Yeah, I used to actually, San Diego spent off season home, man. That's why I talk so highly about it. And I lived all up and down the coast, man, all the way from, you know, when you land at the airport downtown, yeah. all the way down to Carlsbad, you know, and everything in between, Solana Beach, uh, La Jolla, and, and all of that, man. So I, I love it. I love it down there, and I'm working on even getting home there right now. The weather down there is as good as it gets. Can't beat it, right? And when I was in San Diego for two years, right, two years of practicing, we had okay. one rainy practice. One practice in one the rain. Practice. It was like a celebration. Everyone's going nuts because we were in the rain. It was really <laughs> weird. I was like, dude, I'm from Seattle. This is this sucks. Okay, so you're in San Diego for a couple of years. Then you go to Minnesota for a short stint, right? Uh, and then you end up coming home and having an opportunity to play for your hometown team, the Seattle Seahawks, man. Kind of talk about not only the, you know, the feeling of being able to have an opportunity to play here, but kind of the process that went into uh, signing with Seattle in 2013. <laughs> All right. Yeah, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. I tell everybody. Uh, it was, so I, I got released by Minnesota. I was injured up there, ankle issues. It was, yeah, anyway, we won't get into all that. Um, so I came back home. I was in Seattle, and I helped coach uh, Juanita. As okay. Just doing a lot of um, – what was my position? I was wide receivers coach, just hanging out, kind of coming in, and um, they had a good little state playoff run. So it was a fun time to be there. But uh, I signed with Seattle late late that year, uh, you know, when they had the – we lost to Atlanta in the playoffs and all that. So I was with them. But coming into that – it was December. And so me, me and one of my best buddies from college, he's East coast, big skier. And I, I love to ski, right. And a big, big winter sports guy. So it came to December and we're like, all right, Hey, I, I'm not getting picked up this year. Let's go. Let's do a Whistler trip. He's like, all right, coming out. So this is December, 2012, 2012, right? this is right. 2012. Yes. Yeah, so, and so we're in December, 2012. And he's like, yeah, all right, come on out. So he gets on the flight you know, mid-December, I don't remember exactly the time, but somewhere into maybe early December. And he's flying out to uh, Vancouver. I was going to swing up and pick him up at the Vancouver airport, and we are going to roll up to Whistler and have a couple of days. And Let me chime in real quick, because I yeah. just want to make sure the story is clear. So yes. when did you get released from Minnesota? That was earlier in the early year. Early in the year. Early in the year. Yeah, like training camp. Like, like after the okay. final cuts, training camp. And you don't get picked – and so you go the whole season. All season, coaching high school football. Coaching high school football. Yeah. No, 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 not a lot of tryouts, I'm assuming. Nothing. With teams. Okay, so we're in December now. We're in December. And I've been training, I've, you know, I've been around football. Right. But I'm in December and I'm going, all right, I'm, I'm not going to get signed anywhere this year. Um, wow. So uh, let's go ski, you know, but let's, let's start this process. So he's flying out. He's, he's between, somewhere between New York and Vancouver in the air. And, and then my agent calls me, and this is a Monday, I, I think a Monday. Um, you know, they usually do the workouts on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a Monday, and he, he says, hey, Seattle wants to work you out tomorrow. I'm like, all right. I mean, I got to go to, I'm going up on a ski trip, but uh, he can wait. So I, I kind of set up a hotel for my buddy, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be one day late. Like, go, there's a hotel, airport, I'll put you at it. He's like, all right, cool, no big deal. So I, I pack all my ski stuff in my car. Drive down to the VMAC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loaded with, I'm ready to go to Whistler. I drive down to the VMAC. I pull in and, you know, get all ready for the workout. And I, I meet Pete Carroll and Pete comes out. And the first thing, so to preface, my very first game I had with San Diego preseason was against Seattle. Um, it was against guys like Doug Baldwin, Ricardo Lockett. Um, yep. uh, who else was there? Uh, Sherman, Richard Sherman yep. was. So, so yep. I, and I was a kick returner. Yep. And, and uh, you were there. I was there. I was you were there. Yeah. And, and so my very first game I ever played was against Seattle. And I returned a kickoff. It was on, it was a Monday night football game in the preseason. I mean, they called it Monday night, but it was really a Saturday or Sunday. And I returned a kickoff for a touchdown against them. So I got guys like Sherman and, and Lockett and Doug chasing me down on this kickoff. So I was giving them a hard time about that. But so, so when I walked into the VMAC, the first thing Pete said to me, and this was like a year or two, two, you know, a year or two ago, I guess. First thing he said to me is, Hey man, like, 
why you gotta why you gotta do that to us why you gotta return that kickoff on us last year two years ago I'm like man it's crazy he remembered that it's a preseason game and you know he's already been through a whole season and all this stuff and he remembers that about me and so that was pretty cool it's like all right and that kind of that kind of made me feel comfortable right away but you know just did a workout had a great workout it was fine and, and just exactly what I expected from him in the end they were like hey yeah be in touch with us we love it you know you're on our short list and uh you know just just be ready I'm like okay cool see ya got my car boom head up to Whistler pick up my buddy we get to Whistler we pull in we check in we go to the store we're buying food or everything it starts dumping snow we're, we're all excited we're gonna get some you know fresh snow the next day I wake up about 5 a.m to my phone ringing and it's my agent and he's like hey Seattle signing you today you got to go I'm like, what? <laughs> and it is, it is a blizzard. I'm in Whistler and it is just dumping. I'm like, I've never seen snow like this before. And wow. so I just pop up and I leave my buddy who's never been out West skiing or anything. I'm like, dude, sorry. Like I got to go. He doesn't yeah. have a car up there. Nothing. I just oh, leave him. Man. And, and, uh, I start, I hit the, uh, you know, the freeway or the road down and it is an absolute blizzard i should not be driving in this and i'm driving like a madman trying to get back because they want to meet there for practice that day yep. so yeah. it took it took me about seven or eight hours to get home from whistler that day wow. it was snowing all the way from whistler to seattle or maybe bellingham somewhere but it was snowing all the way down and oh so this, this road trip that you took yeah it's a road trip no air, no flight or anything like that no, no no i drove to whistler he flew from new york obviously yeah. but i i drove from seattle to whistler and so i'm cruising down and i mean i'm i probably should have died the way i was driving in the snow but i made it i made it just a little late for practice though so my very first day i show up and i, I didn't even make practice i just they kind of sat me inside against the wall because they hadn't signed me officially yet and so i could like kind of watch it then i was on the next day so that was it wow wow yeah yeah so you so you're you're i mean you're in Worcester, you're ready to hit the skis the slopes <laughs> and uh man all of a sudden you're back in seattle getting ready to play football man and the crazy part about it is i don't think people understand the difficulty like you hadn't had a trout all year long yeah and you get signed in december that's crazy and then you obviously go on to play for seattle for the next <laughs> excuse me what is it two three seasons two seasons at the two super bowl right? years yeah yeah right and so yeah, let's talk about that, man. So yeah. you so you sign in December after thinking your career is probably over. You're coaching high school football. You're getting ready to go ski. You're probably thinking about, man, what am I going to do next? What is the transition looking like? And boom, an opportunity presents itself. And not only that, you go to the Super Bowl your first year. Yeah, right. So talk about not only are you coming home to your hometown team. But now you're in the first Super Bowl, uh, you know, in not in the franchise's history, but they win their first Super Bowl in franchise history. And you get to be a part of that, man. Talk about what that meant to you. You know, Man, it was crazy. And here, here's, here's a funny thing. I remember when Seattle went to the Super Bowl. I was a senior in high school um, when, you know, Hasselbeck and Sean Alexander and all those guys. And I remember being devastated that they lost that thing. I like it, you wanted to win so bad being a big Seahawks fan growing up. But looking back now, you know, when we won that, I kind of selfishly, I'm like, man, I'm kind of glad they lost that. I'm glad we got that first one. So what a, what a, what a blessing in disguise that was them losing that one. Cause, cause now we got the first and I, you know, I was part of that team, my hometown. And, and so I, it was pretty cool, but yeah, I grew up a huge Seahawks fan. My aunt uh, used to work for the Seahawks. She was, um, she was there in the, the front office with the, you know, she worked for Holmgren and she worked for uh, Flores or uh, Flores and um, God, I don't know. I forgot the other one. Um, head coach. Yeah. Head coaches. So I was always there, you know, I'd go to, I'd go to the practices and all that. And so I was just always around Seattle. So it was, it was a dream come true to be able to, to, to sign, put on that Hawks helmet. I always remember running out um, of the tunnel, you know, my first preseason game, I guess what it would have been with the Seahawks union and all that and um but it just felt comfortable you know it was my hometown it was seattle i'd driven by the facility the whole time i lived right by the facility in kirkland when they were there and so i it wasn't uh it wasn't different you know it wasn't like a weird adjustment it was just it was like dang this is this is it like this is where i want to be this is this is perfect this is 
the dream come true. And then obviously went to the Super Bowl. We had one of the best, the best team in Seattle. And you, the Super Bowl. You, when you when you, you talk amazing. about first running out of the tunnel in that preseason game with, with your Seahawk uniform on, do you remember? I know for me, I grew up in the Bay Area, right? So I was a 49er fan. And so, you know, being on the Seahawks, obviously we're playing the 49ers twice a year, you know, one at home, one on the road. And before the 49ers moved, they were still at Candlestick Park, which then turned to Pac Bell Park or whatever yeah. it was. But, you know, when I, when I came onto the field in San Francisco as a rookie, I'm looking in the stands and I'm like, man, I remember where I was sitting, literally. I remember the places that I sat the times that I came and I watched Frank Gore and Garrison Hurst, even, you know, before him mm -hmm. football. Did you have that a similar experience when you came out of the tunnel and you're on the field now as a Seahawk and you're looking around the stands, it's like, man, was there a place in the stands you remember being as a high school kid, a young kid watching the Seahawks play? Well, what's funny is growing up, uh, it was the kingdom for right. me. Some of the games I went to was, were in the kingdom and, uh, I just remember being nosebleeds just up there. I, we didn't go to a lot of games, but whenever I did, I just remember being way up there. And, you know, you thought the kingdom was the coolest thing ever. You're looking around, like, man, this thing is huge. And so that's what I remember. I remember, uh, you know, when I, when I was with San Diego, we didn't make the playoffs my first year. And I came home and Seahawks, it was when they got into the playoffs with a losing record and, and they were playing the Saints. It's a home game. Yeah. and beastquake right and I, I was in the stands for that i remember contacting mo kelly i wow. had the guy and mo kelly got me tickets to that game i was there with a buddy and and i was in you know the family section for beastquake right where marshawn ran into the corner of that end zone so i, I remember that which was pretty cool um but just remember the people uh all your friends and family just like being there you know i had a lot of ticket requests for that game and just looking up and seeing a bunch of people there just rooting you on and then the the text messages and, and stuff afterwards like dude like you're all the buddies growing up everyone who watched the game and then the finally like they see me on tv there because they didn't see me in san diego really and and that was that was pretty surreal i guess yeah all, all the support and everyone, all yeah. coached, wanted to exactly exactly right yep exactly Man, so you come in after thinking your career is probably over, you win a Super Bowl, then you have an opportunity to uh, obviously play for Seattle for a second year and go to a second Super Bowl, uh, which obviously didn't turn out the way that we wanted to. There's a lot of speculation, man, that goes into obviously the final, uh, you know, the final minutes of that, of that, of that game. You know, how, how did you see it? Uh, how did you how did you see what happened there? Uh, you know, was it just great play by the by the Patriots? You know, was it something that offensively we could have done better? Were you expecting a different play call? I thought it was going to be some sort of read zone. We're really so, going here, huh, Turf? Really going here. <laughs> and then, Man, and up in shotgun. I'm thinking for sure we're probably doing some sort of read zone with Marshawn and Russ and then right. you know, we end up throwing it and, and losing the game. But, you know, talk about, you know, kind of just talk about what you, what you thought well, there, what you were expecting. And then obviously the feelings that you had afterwards. Well, obviously everything that could have went wrong, went wrong, could have gone wrong, went wrong. Right. Like that's just how that play it was. I mean, 99 out of hundred times that does not happen. I mean, maybe 999 times out of a thousand times that does not happen. I mean, it's just such a fluke play, um, the way it all worked out. And I mean, Malcolm Butler didn't even know he caught the ball. I mean, he was kind of the ball caught him somehow. Yeah. Uh, but I I understand the pass play. Okay. I understand that because for clock management purposes, right? You have one timeout left, 20 seconds. If you if you run the ball, then you burn your timeout. And, and now you have, what, probably 15 seconds with no timeouts. If you don't, and you're going to try to run it, if you don't get it in the end zone, you're scrambling for a fourth down at the Super Bowl 
to, to win the game. You have to pass that play. That way you have two plays, one timeout. You can run the ball twice, get Marshawn in the end zone. Went for a play and tried to win a Super Bowl right there. That's not what you're thinking. You're not thinking, you know, you're trying to win it right then. So I don't know. It just was the worst case scenario that could have possibly happened. You know, you'd like to see Russ maybe roll out and hit someone outside the pocket instead of, but it just, um, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, bringing that memory up. What about the execution? Of what did you see in the ex? What I mean, obviously we we got a rub set up there. Yeah, I'm putting the pressure on you right now. B-B. No, I, you're you're also putting the pressure on teammates. I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about teammates' execution on that play. <laughs> These are my buddies, man. <laughs> that was what was it was executed well by the Patriots. How about that? They they sniffed it out. And they made the plays on everybody out there. You know, they what are, they jammed the point guy up and then Malcolm Butler reading it, you know, maybe. Yes, the Patriots executed perfectly. Okay. Okay. How about that? <laughs> um, man, there was some drama after yeah. that, after that game, man. I mean, just, just a lot of emotion, I, you know, go ahead. I remember right when that happened, right? There's 10, 15, 20 seconds left coming back to the sideline and I sat down with Doug Baldwin and I was, we were sitting there right on the bench and it was Wait, the, coming back to, so were you, uh, remind me, were you, were you in on that, on that final? I, play? I, no, I was not in. I mean, I was, I was next to the receivers. I was suited and right. it, it was Lockett, Doug and Jermaine curse. Right. Where, where are you guys in on that play? Right. Um, and so I remember they came off, we walked back to the, the bench, sat next to Doug and it was the most disbelief we both like it was we did not believe that that happened we sat there and Doug was there and he's like now we're winning this game there's no way we're and it was 20 seconds left Tom Brady's taking a knee so obviously we're not winning this game but I I felt the same way I'm like yeah there's there's no way like we were such a better team and it was it was like the weirdest thing to grasp in your mind that we were going to lose that game and we couldn't we just nope there's no way we got this like we're gonna have another chance and it, it was just the feeling of disbelief that was it was so crazy yeah so wild yeah, man. Um, what about for you personally? You know, go ahead into the locker room. And I remember, man, Pete, not really. What do you say to your team? You know, yeah. there, there's not much to be said right right then yeah. and there, you know. And then, you for, you know, forget the celebratory stuff that you had planned yeah. uh, uh, post-game with your families uh, and, and, and things like that, man. It, did it take a while, I'm sure, for you to kind of get over that experience? I mean, yeah, it's or do you not especially, ever- especially, especially in the locker room right afterwards. Right. And that was just such a weird feeling yet. Uh, everyone was kind of, it, it was, it was chaos almost. Everyone was kind of blaming each other, right. Pointing fingers and Pete was taking the brunt of it. And, you know, I know Marshawn wasn't very happy and it was kind of just, I mean, I, I, I just sat back and just sat in my locker and was just <laughs> taking it all in. But, what I was able to do after all that locker room scene and all that is just put it aside. Just be like, look where we were, man. We were, we were in the Super Bowl. You know, there's, there's only one team that wins every year and we should have won that, but man, we were still playing. We were the last team to play. We were in the Super Bowl back to back years. And I, you know, you're just thankful for that opportunity and, and for the chance to do that. And who knows? I always tell people if we would have won that game, I think one, I would have been in Seattle still. Um, and two, so many of our guys would have stayed together and I think we could have poured on a few more, um, yeah. but it, it was kind of, it was just a lot of chaos and a lot of craziness that went on that it almost we started breaking up a little bit yeah. and, and it wasn't the same team after that. Yeah. 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 Well, that was obviously a disappointing time, but I'm sure throughout your experience, developing relationships, really close friendship with guys that you played with here in Seattle uh, you know, we've done some things together in the offseason. Talk about, you know, some moments, whether it's during the season, in the offseason, with teammates in Seattle uh, that you really enjoy, you know, some, some, some stories that we may not know Here's, about. I'll, I'll preface this first with, so Seattle was so unique, right? We were all in the same boat, like all of us, same age, coming in the same way. Like not a lot of us had families and married, you know, it's just, a lot of us were in the same boat. So when I went to San Diego, it was like, I was the young guy and, and all these, I had these, all these older veterans, you know, families and stuff. So football was their job. They kind of came in and did it. Then they went home to their families and did their thing. Like no one ever hung out after 
after practice or, you know, no one ever did anything together. So then, so there I was the young guy in Jacksonville. I was the old guy. Like it switches so fast. Right. Like I'm like the old vet, like, okay. And these young guys are coming in. And, and, and so like, it was a different dynamic there, but then Seattle, like we were all the same, like we were all the same age, same group. We did everything together. You know, once we left the facility, we were hanging out once we in the, in, on the weekends in the off season, we're hanging out whether there were trips to Hermosa, um, you know, for workouts and stuff, but we were always doing things together. And I think that was so unique as far as a football team, because we didn't have that anywhere else just because the dynamic was different, but you know, like turbo, like you and I, I mean, we, it's like, we never left. Right. I mean, we stay in touch over the years, I guess. And, and guys like Jermaine curse, I play golf with once a week at least. And we do golf tournaments around the country. Um, talk to Doug quite a bit. I mean, these are my guys and guys that all have friendships forever. And I don't have that from, you know, other teams just because the whole dynamic was so different. Well, but, man, we, you, you say what? It's your handicap. My handicap is a one right now. One thing I know about B. Weezy, ladies and gentlemen, is that this man may not look like a great athlete. What's that supposed to mean? I'm just saying. What's that mean? I mean, I look like a great athlete. I, you know, you just, and turf. you know, it's not like you like super swole or anything like that. But God, this man can play golf. This man can play some basketball, man. Dude. Boy, this boy got a jumper, man. And we used to have it. some battles. Yeah, we had some battles in the off season, didn't we? We would uh, we would open up. Uh, I had a, a good buddy of mine who was a coach at Juanita or a t- teacher at Juanita. And we okay. used to open up the gym in the off season, Sunday evenings. Remember this? Uh-huh. And we'd uh-huh. get two full courts going. We'd have about 10 to 15 guys there. We'd have, I mean, who would, I got to name some names here, but there me, you, oh, we had Doug, Jermaine, Earl, Sherm, Mike Bennett, Averill, uh, all the wideouts were there. Yeah. Uh, Sid, I mean, man, we had the, everyone, er, yeah. Yeah. Cam, did Cam show up? I don't know if he played hoops. Uh, Cam never, ne- I don't never think he did. played. But man, that was our like Sunday. Everyone looked forward to Sunday hoops, and we would we would ball all night. We would play games would just get running, and we'd come into Monday workout exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be sore. And, oh man, it makes a great team. And Pete loved it. Pete knew we did it, and Pete was like, "Hey, how was hoops last night? How was it?" And and so, but it was, it was just us competing. And that's what it was all about. It was about that team had so much, uh, compet- like such a competitive edge to it that, that um, any time to compete, that's what we were all about. And, and that's what Pete Carroll was all about. And so it was just, uh, it, it was awesome. I mean, and that's where the relationships were formed. Two final questions for you, B-Wees. Eight year career, eight seasons, man, undrafted, Went through a period, excuse me, early, where you are you thought it was over, you know, and uh, I mean that was after what like the, the first three years of your career, and you were able to uh, get signed to Seattle and and turn it into eight. What's the secret sauce, man? You know, what's the secret sauce to accomplishing that? Man, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, you got to persevere, though. I mean, I've been cut so many times in my career throughout that eight years. I was cut so many times and, and just cut, re-sign, cut, re-sign, whatever it was. But the, the thing that can creep into your head when you're cut like that is doubt, right? And you can be like, man, maybe, maybe I'm just not good enough for this. Maybe I don't belong. But I never really believed that. Like, I, I truly believe that, you know, I, I could have been I, – I, could play in the league. I could be an impactful player. And that was my belief. And, and I wasn't going to let anything stop that. So, um, but the other thing is being a role player, you got to be ready. You never know when that guy's going to drop in front of you. Uh, for instance, uh, Percy Harvard, right? I, I was his pretty much his backup all Super Bowl year. I mean, that's whenever, which he didn't play very much because he was injured, but whenever he didn't play, then I suited up and played. Whenever he played, I was out. And you just never knew when your name was going to be called. Um, and that was just the kind of the story of my career is I was always ready. You know, I always did everything I could to be ready. Uh, knew the offense in and out. I could go play any position, um, whether it be the X, Y or X, Y, Z, whatever receiver position it was, I could always go in and play. And it was just, 
that's what I prided myself on. And I think it was easy for coaches to say, all right, he knows what he's doing. Like we can put him in at any position and just fill in. So that, that was kind of how I lasted the, the eight years. And um, it was just, just always being ready to roll and having confidence in yourself. You got to have the confidence. Can't doubt yourself going in there. Favorite moment as a Seahawk. <laughs> uh, honestly, Name one. <laughs> well, God, there's so many good ones, right? My biggest memory would be in 2014 in the NFC Championship. We were down, what, 19 nothing or something? Mm-hmm. Green Bay. And Green Bay. Green Bay in the NFC Championship and just coming back in that fourth quarter and the big just mauling celebration when Jermaine caught that ball in overtime. Just, I mean, I don't think I've ran so fast in my life to get out to him. Just pumping. Oh, like, and uh, that that sticks out to me. Just going, going to back-to-back Super Bowls. Um, and what was unique about, I mean, I, I liked that season a lot because I was in it and I was returning punts and playing some wide out with them. So it was a little different than the year before when you know, I wasn't doing the punts. Maybe I'd cover some kicks and uh, sub in, you know, when Doug, or, when Doug needed a rest or something, which was, you know, I'd probably get five, six, seven snaps a game as a wide out. Um, so this year, that year was a little different being the punt returner. So it meant a lot to me. And man, yeah, I wish we would close that year out better. <laughs> Here it is again. It's always coming back. Like, ah. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. Um, okay, last question here. I know I, I said two, but actually the three. Uh, because I, I feel like this is really important for athletes, um, I- any sport. You know, you, you finish your career up in Jacksonville, right? You start in San Diego, go to Minnesota, deal with some injuries. You think your career's over. You get another opportunity. Come to Seattle, man here for a couple of years and then you go to Jacksonville, man. And I think you're in Jacksonville for a few mm-hmm. seasons as well. And, uh, and then there's that transition period, you mm-hmm. know, there's that, there's that time that, that, you know, that, uh, that it creeps in, like, you know, this is probably my last year. This is probably the end for me. Um, what was that process like for you and what advice would you give, uh, you know, our listeners who, who may be athletes who have aspirations to be yeah. a pro at, at, at a sport someday? Because I'll tell you something. I had an opportunity to do a program with the NFLPA. It was for business school. You had to, it, was like, it was like the introductory to your mm-hmm. MBA. Then I got a chance to go to Harvard and, and, and begin my MBA and stuff like Harvard. that. It was really cool. But during this business program, it wasn't just football players, man. It was WNBA players. There were ballerinas who, hmm. who, who were dancers at the professional level who were in this program, soccer players, et cetera, tennis. Because, and it, and it really surprised me because it was like, you guys, they, they go through the same kind of transition that, that we yeah. do. It's just not as highlighted as much because, you know, everybody loves football. Right. 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 Not as popular to watch, you know, a ballerina do, you know, Mm -hmm. six spins in a row, even though that's hard to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so talk about that transition process. When did you know it was approaching you? Were you ready for it? And uh, how can, how can athletes be prepared? You know, mine was different. Uh, Not not different, I guess is all the same, but uh, I don't think you can ever prepare for it. it. It's hard. You never know when it was coming, especially in the NFL. Right. I mean, how many guys actually walk out on their own? I mean, nobody, I didn't walk out on my own. I, I, I had signed a new contract going to Jacksonville. I like my, my biggest contract that I've ever seen, or, you know, from all my years, I finally signed one and I, it lasted three weeks. Um, I was injured. They've made a coaching chain, you know, Tom Coughlin came in and I was out, I was gone. Just, just not a guy that he saw in the future. So I was like, all right. Um, and you know, being injured obviously doesn't help, but and so when I thought I was most secure in the NFL was actually the end of my career, which is wild to me. And so I still, I kept training for a year or two after that, you know, I had a couple of workouts, I guess, but, and so I, I never really knew it was over um, until, you know, I gave it, I got healthy, took a year to get healthy. And then I gave it a year. And then, then I said, I'll hang them up. So it took about, which is explains to the transition. It took like two years for me to be like, all right, it's time. And that's tough. You know, that's two years that could have been 
you know, doing something else, making it, doing a business or, or whatever it is working. There's two years that I thought I could still play. And I think that's what makes it really tough on a lot of athletes. It's just, it's hard to give it up. You've done it your whole life and you work for it and you don't really want to believe that you're on to the next step in your life where you don't get to run around on the field anymore for a living, you know, catch footballs and, and all that. But, uh, it, and, and even today you're so regimented into going to the gym and, and man, if you miss a few days, you're, you're thinking like, Oh, I got, it's just the weirdest, you know, right. Like it's the weirdest thing. You think you're setting yourself back. Like if you miss a couple of days in the gym and then you get to think, you're like, well, wait a second. Like, I'm not playing. Like, I don't need to do this. Like I need to do something with my brain. You know, I need to let, let, let me sit here and read something for a bit. And, and that's the hardest thing is a transition from being, you know, putting your body through so much physically to now like making it mentally, you know, and, and, and getting it that way. Um, so that's kind of what I would, I dealt with just that transition. So now, I mean, I'm still in the transition. I think we're always still in the transition, trying to, trying to get out of being the, you know, professional athlete and being more of a, into the, into the real world, into society. And so have a little business going, real estate business going with a buddy I went to school with. And so he's kind of teaching me the ropes through that and we're, we're rolling with it. So. Awesome. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, be wheezy. It was great having you on the show. Um, man, hopefully we can have you again sometime, man, but thanks for sharing some great stories with us. Uh, it's awesome to hear actually your story. All these years I've known you, there's a lot of things that you uh, talked about today that I had no idea about. Man. So, uh, sure, man. Thanks for having me on here. We need a hoop sometime, huh? Let's get, yeah, let's let's get back that. there. Oh, man. You don't want that. I know Doug wants the hoop too. So. Six. All right. You what? Basketball game. My, my event, my charity event. I'd love it. It'd be yeah. fun. All right. All right. In. All right. Be wheezy. Ladies and gentlemen, that was another episode of Seahawks Stories featuring the one and only Brian Walters, former wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Um, and we will be airing this every Tuesday. So uh, till next time. Peace.